You're listening to the Enneagram and Marriage Podcast. I'm your host, Krista Harden, and I'm so glad you showed up for our relationship chat today, as well as for you and your people. We're all about living intentionally here so you can experience joy and balance in your relationships once again or for the very first time. Be sure you hang with us on our social media platforms. And if you like research like I do, make sure you check out our website at enneagramandmarriage.com for our weekly newsletter, freebies, and so much more, as well as at Instagram and Facebook. We have so many goodies to share with you. Let's dive right in together. Hello, and welcome to the Enneagram and Marriage Podcast. I'm so excited that we get to talk about the holy thinking for each and every Enneagram type in marriage. This is based off of the Enneagram concept, the holy ideas. What it really means for all of us is how do we have the best, healthiest inner scripts in marriage? If you've been following along on our Deeper Dive Wednesday podcast, we've been talking about this all month. Now we get to talk about it here and we get to go type by type so that you can really come around in your marriage, in your life to understanding whatever personality leanings you have typical unhealthy inner scripts you might have, as well as ways that you can release those thoughts to God. So it's exciting to be able to do this work together because I hope it's refreshing and you get lift off in a place that you're stuck. I know we all love that and fall so much, and I am right there with you. We do our work together here. Everybody who is alive is growing, hopefully. So keep doing the work. I'm so grateful for the fact that you're doing this with me, and don't forget forget, we have our pre-order bonuses out for The Enneagram in Marriage, my new book. We have three weeks, just a little bit less than that until the book comes out. So I don't want you to miss the pre-order bonuses and charts. Most particularly here, I think you'll love that we have a one-page infographic that talks about and shows every single type's uh, issue here with their holy idea every single type's thinking fixation, every single type's vice, every single type's virtue they can aim for. And it's not that we wouldn't want to aim for all the virtues, right? Whatever typology we enjoy, we would want to enjoy and reach for all the virtues. But we also realize that each of us are different and have particulars. I lean towards joy. You may lead towards this depth. It's different for everybody. And we hope to get more expansive and really do our own work so that we can thrive in our giftings and in all the gifts. So that's why I made this infographic for you and my team designed it beautifully. And that's why I'm excited for you to grab that bonus. Our leader's guide, we already have people telling us that they are starting to plan for their fall and winter groups with their Bible studies or church groups or community groups. And I made the study conducive to churches. And also if you're just doing this with a community group, you know, I never force my faith on anybody. Um, But I also want you you to know that if you are part of a faith community, it is a beautiful way to lean in and to share, hey, look, let's add this to our fall or winter study so couples can get healthier in these nuanced ways. And then also you get an intimacy guide and a free audiobook. So excited that Christian Book Audio is throwing that in as well. So make sure if you've purchased the book, wherever you've purchased it from, that you head back to enneagramandmarriage.com and grab it. You can also find it at enneagraminmarriage.com. Same website, different tagline, but definitely we are there for it all because we understand <laughs> that you might be like, wait, which is it? It's both. We've got you covered. All right, let's deep dive on this mini episode. And yes, we're doing a little of both here. We're deep diving and we're staying in our 
quick, I know this is an efficient episode for us too. So we'll do both. So I want to let you guys know that when you are in that space of having inner scripts that aren't healthy, a lot of the time you're stuck in what we call the Enneagram fixation. And you probably also have an emotion underlying there as well. But what we know is that often for our emotions to change, we have to start with what we can change that is a little bit more accessible in our prefrontal cortex. And that's cool that we have that, right? Like we know we're above animals and we can say animals are important, but we have a capacity that far exceeds them in terms of what we can process with. So this gives us the ability to say, oh, I am able to go ahead of my thinking and change it intentionally. And that is really cool. That's a really cool hack humans can do. And so I want you to be able to take advantage of that versus just living like an animal at a very base level. I want you to be able to say, oh my gosh, like I am having a rough moment here and that might not be necessary. And of course, sometimes it is important. I don't say all this just so it can be self-serving. A phrase that you don't hear me use a lot is if it serves me, because I really don't want it to just serve us. I think sometimes we might be looking for everything to serve us and that's not really healthy. For example, if your friend's in the hospital, it doesn't serve you to go visit, but it's lovely and it's good. And so we're really aiming for virtues and that golden mean that we talked about also like, hey, whatever your faith background, you don't want to be to the level that you can't rest, that you're so wrapped up in pride that you don't know how to rest and heal. But we also don't want you just what serves me, what serves me. So within this framework, I want you to notice what is taking you down and your people down, your marriage down, your kids down. And a lot of this is going to be your Enneagram fixation. So I'm just going to go through really quick so that you can get a sense for that and redirect a bit. Okay, so if you're type one, you probably struggle with that fixation of resentment and the holy idea for you where you really release it to God is to have the holy serenity, to be able to say, I know that I do my best and I want everybody else to do that too, but I can't have all of it in my control. My anger is too big, even though it's internal, and I need to release this to God, that God knows even better than I what other people have the capacity for. And me forcing this in my marriage or family is not going to make my marriage actually better. It's probably going to bring out some very unhealthy or toxic thoughts in myself or in my spouse the more I hang on and try to control in that direction. So I want you to be able to hang on to that holy serenity. And if you're watching on YouTube, I'm literally like putting my hands out here. Like I do that a lot where I'm just like releasing to God. God and knowing that that's part of my process. And when I get into my one space, that's exactly what I have to do with you too. Okay. Now, if we're in the two space, we can definitely be really outside of that space of letting God lead and have God's will. We can be saying, I want my will because I think I need to help everybody uh, in terms of all my family, my friends, my spouse. And I think that's important that you really look at what is God's will instead of what is mine? What are my thoughts about how this world should be? And what are God's? And the difference is the two will go into spaces of flattery to try to just cajole and manipulate and tell people how good they are and maybe tell you how good you are if you're their spouse in order to try to get you to do what they want. But what's even better is to say, let God's will be done. And I love that when my daughter prayed that yesterday, it was uh, a beautiful moment for her to pray that out. And I was like, thank you, because we have our plans, but what we really want is what's meant to be. 
So there's a bit of doing and trying as well as a bit of releasing there. Okay, so with threes, we know that threes can really struggle with that vanity of like, the way I'm going to get my needs met and my community and my family and my marriage needs met is by saying I'm important. But what's really, you know, more important than that vanity, of course, is that they also learn to release to God and their way of releasing to God is going to be through holy hope to say, I have hope in God not me being important. My hope is outside of myself too, because I see that I have struggles and flaws and selfishness and I'm human. Let's admit it. Even if we're in the three space, we make mistakes and we could either cut corners and pretend to our family that we're all important. Or we could say, you know, I'm tired. I need a rest too. And I need to just be emotional right now. Um, I'm resting. I'm not quitting. Sometimes they see threes do that though, where they're like, okay, cool. I'm going to have hope in God and I'm done. So I don't want you to do that. I want you to rest if you need it whatever that looks like. It might even be long-term. I was just reading Tolkien's deep work. Yes, I cannot get myself out of biographies. I have been trying to lean into more fiction, but I ended up in the Jane Austen, very long 500 plus page biography for her life. And now I'm doing the same thing with Tolkien. But Jack and I are reading Percy Jackson. There you go. I We're in book three of Percy Jackson that we started just a month ago, uh, the first two books. So we're flying through some kids' fiction and that has been great learning about Greek and Romans. But that said... That is me resting, not quitting. That is you, hopefully, whatever it looks like for you in that three space of achieving, but coming back and saying, um, you know, I know how to rest and just read or kick back uh, and do something else. And for Tolkien himself, I noticed that what he ended up doing was saying, I am going to literally lay down on my back, quit teaching for a little while and just write. And that's how he started writing The Lord of the Rings because he was literally near a mental breakdown. So I don't want to take you that far but I want you to understand you'll know what you need if if you're in that three space and you need a rest. So make sure you get this balanced self-care. Now, if you're in the four space, we know that you have a lot of tendencies of this melancholic thinking something's wrong with me or something's wrong with the way others are treating me. And so there's a sense of, I have to go away. And instead just knowing I'm okay and having this thought of holy origin helps you a lot. And I often think of the psalmist when I think of fours, I think of the cries of the heart to God and reminders that you are fearfully and wonderfully made. And just that sense of wonderful, like you are awesome. And so, yes, there are moments to allow for grief and melancholy and feelings, but to be able to step out of that means it's an action. It's not a constant regurgitated or vomited sort of script that says you're bad, you're wrong. Something's not quite right. It says I'm enough. I'm made well, and that's enough. And I'm not going to blame myself or others or stay here in the melancholy, but I am rising up to realize I have a holy origin. I was made by the creator of the entire world. That's huge. Okay, so if you're a five or in the five space, we know sometimes you deal with stinginess. And that could be whatever case may be that you're trying to protect, but I must protect what I have. And instead of thinking, I'll grab more info, grab more info, grab more info, there's a sense of holy omniscience where God knows all and God is going to take care of it all. And I don't have to research everything. There's a sense of God being bigger than me, 
and me being able to be okay with not knowing and just surrendering. And once again, if you're watching on YouTube, my hands are literally out because I know that's a process. And sometimes I have to do meditations where I really release that to God. And it is so comforting to realize that his mercies are new every morning. And it's true. When you look at sleep research, we often talk about many, many studies done across the board. And we really enjoy seeing that our sleep cleans our brains out at night. So rest. And we know that grief lasts for a night. Joy comes in the morning. So do understand if you're tired at the end of the day, fives or in the five space, that's exactly where you're supposed to be. Don't let it keep you towards stinginess. Just rest. Okay. Now, if you're in the sixth space, we know that you're going to be struggling with the sense of I'm not safe. And these thoughts will run aground, run amok, run every which way, fly in every direction. I get this so much. It can be very cowardly. And that's really the thinking uh, sticking point for sixes is to just avoid making important, healthy changes that need to be made and just calling it quits instead of heading into courage, your gift here, your holy faith, because we want you to be able to come into that space with God and say, ah, I surrender and I get it. I need you, God, more than ever. And I will do what I can to plan, but then I'm coming back to you, God, for you to continue to carry me. And if you're a seven, we know that you have this fixation of planning. And you've heard me talk about that before where I'm like, I planned this and I planned that and I planned this. And then God changes my plans. You know, life doesn't always go my way. Sometimes it does. It's okay to do some planning, but setting your plans before God means the holy idea of sevens, which is holy planning. Okay. Here's what I did. Take it from here, God. And that's very freeing. If sevens, you like freedom, that is a very freeing experience. And I welcome you to that. Now, eights, it's so important that you realize that you struggle with something that you might not even realize, and it's vengeance. A lot of eights don't realize, oh my gosh, like I don't really think about that, but it's because you might confuse it with the uh, the whole idea of justice fighting. And so just notice when you're in a state of helping God and justice fighting versus I'm playing God. I get to make the rules. I know this person's inner neuroscience better than they do. Uh, no, you have no idea where you are on the spectrum of humanity. You have a sense for it, but you don't know fully. Only God knows what each person has been given and what each person will get. I recently read a good article on that by C.S. Lewis talking about how Freud has a role to play and psychoanalysis has a role to play, but also uh, just how we also cannot detect what everybody's going through. So we can't see how much somebody else in our lives is really capable of. And so that's just a reminder for you that some of the greatest thinking minds of all time have come to this conclusion. So therefore you coming to holy truth means God's truth. Like I surrender to God's truth. I don't know. I'll do my best here. And that's a good space for an eight. Sometimes it's okay to say, I don't know. And it's freeing a little bit too for you. Okay, so if you're in the nine space, you can be in the state of in indolence, meaning there's a sense of I'm not going to do anything. I'm not going to take any action. It's just a space of sloth and it's a thinking sloth of I'm not even going to have a thought. I'm just going to stare at the wall and live my life the way I feel like living it in a comfortable way. And instead of that, holy love is a beautiful inroads for nines. It's an action oriented point to be able to say, okay, I'm stepping into life, not out. And I'm here to 
to share a beautiful gift that I have, which is love. And don't underrate it. Everyone needs love. You guys give us so much. You see every perspective. You care about everybody. Now, we do want you to remember you're important too, but here your work to do is to love. It's yes, you're important too, but your work, we don't want you to uh, mess this into that space of like, okay, it's just about me being a justice fighter. Like I love that space for a nine. It's so much fun, but um, I don't mean mess with, but like basically, uh, you know, don't forget the love too as you do that. Um, I was talking to a nine friend recently and I was like, oh, like laughing, like, okay, like they probably are in their volcanic mode right now. But after you let off some steam, hopefully through some body work, come back to love. It's a beautiful look on you. And it's a gift you have to be able to share God's holy love and to know that love covers a multitude of sins, of vices, of passions. So thank you guys for chatting with me. Make sure you grab our bonuses. We talk about all this in so much more depth in the book. And I'm so grateful for the time and years spent writing it so that we could really uh, just show you guys that. uh, And I say we because Baker Books helped me so much too. And my wonderful editor, Seth Smith, she helped me to go so much deeper. So I just love that I can really share this as a community with you. You have all been part of it too in many ways because of so many stories. So thank you so much for being part of that, this pod. Hope you have a wonderful midweek. Grab everything at enneagramandmarriage.com. Okay, bye. Thank you again for listening with us. It was so wonderful to have you. I love knowing we're doing this journey together, not perfectly, but with love, grace, and hopefully some fun too. If you love today's episode, make sure you leave us a five-star review at Apple Podcast or Spotify so others can find it too. Visit our show notes so you can get all the links from today's show, as well as enneagramandmarriage.com, the Instagram, the Facebook, and all over the place. Make sure you spread the word. Love living intentionally with you. Bye-bye.